Welcome to the Christian Coach Podcast. Our mission here is to serve coaches through conversations so they can lead like Jesus. I'm your host, Chad Simpson, and you guys are, are in for a good one today. We got Jared Banco. He's the athletic director at Georgia Southern. Uh, man, his experience, long, long resume. He spent 20 years in the SEC, most recently as the deputy athletic director at Mississippi State. Um, you guys, this this one is really good. You're going to hear a lot of uh, great things, a lot of wisdom from Jared. Um, a few things stuck out. And number one, just pay attention. He, he shares three ways that he prepared to become an AD one day. I thought that was golden. Um, you just hear throughout him talking about living boldly, being authentic, and um, yeah, just from his, his faith perspective. So um, dig in, uh, get your notes out and uh, pen and paper, however you like to, to take them. Um, but this is a great episode with Jared Benko, and we're, we're ready to get into this episode right now. Jared Benko, it's uh, so good to have you on the Christian Coach Podcast. Appreciate you making time. And we know coaches are, are busy, uh, life is busy, so we like to get right into it. So uh, Jared, what does it mean for you to, to be a Christian coach? Well, I think more than anything, what does it mean to be a, really a Christian? I think, you know, when you, when you get back to it, whether you're a coach or whatever your practition um, is or specialty is, I think to me, it kind of comes back to being a Christ-centered, living a Christ-centered life, right? And, um, you know, and I think really coaches, we're all coaches to some degree, right? I mean, whether we, uh, whether you're a parent, you're not a parent, um, but we have the blessing to be around young people. And really, like my wife and I've said often, it's really our ministry is to be around 18 to 22 year olds, you know, and and so for us, I think, you know, our our calling and really um, I, I consider myself a coach, right? Even though I'm not day to day embedded with a team, uh, what it really kind of comes back to is, is demonstrating and, and ultimately um, glorifying the kingdom and, and giving those godly examples and, and through the scripture, um, through your actions, through how you conduct yourselves. Um, listen, and, and, and we're in a broken world, right? I mean, we, we all sin, we all short, fall short of his glory and it's. Um, but in the same vein that there is hope, right? And, and I tell our, our I tell our uh, donors and, and people any chance I give a chance to uh, to speak publicly that, hey, listen, um, yeah, I don't watch the news, right? Because sometimes it's kind of depressing at times. Um, but I would tell you the reason why I share that is because I'm inspired every day being around our young people. And so when we meet with um, you know parents and prospective student athletes, is a great example in recruiting visits. We talk about. We can develop you, and this is the same thing our coaches share, right? We can develop you academically, athletically, socially, you know, civically. And then, you know, we're, we obviously are open to, to all belief and respectful for all beliefs. You know, our president and myself are open about our faith and, and being believers. And, and, and I also highlight just athletes in action. We have a great ministry here with Matt Wise and how we can grow, grow their faith, right, in the relationship with Christ. And I think that's just so important. And I, I wanted to ask just with with Matt being there and athletes in action for you to be at a public school, um, thinking through ministry. Uh, what's that like for you as an athletic director to um, empower and, and work with organization like athletes in action or maybe at Fellowship Christian Athletes? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. When you're, when you're in the public sector, you know, I think one of the things that, um, you know, I think about often is living boldly, right? And, and living boldly and, um, and, and and I think part of that is is knowing that uh, again I go back to we're going to be respectful of all beliefs right um, and we have Christians we have Muslims we have non-believers we have you name it across I'm sure across all campuses right um, but I also would tell you too that there's an opportunity 
I'll give you a great case in point. Uh, we have all the teams over to our house, and I think that's important. My wife and I, and also our two kids, I have two boys that are 10 and 7. And I want them to, uh, one, from a student athlete vantage point, develop soft skills, right? To get out of their comfort zone. Um, understand, I make, you know, especially when the newcomers come, I make them introduce themselves, often where they're from. Um, but when we have them over to our house, I also want our, our young boys to, to be around people that may not look like them or be from the same country or, you know, just, just it's just amazing. It's such a melting pot, right, in a good way. Um, and so they come over to our house, you know, we have a chance and I always bless the food. And I had a men's, uh, I actually had a men's soccer student athlete um, who's not, not born originally in, in the United States um, through a Christian-based uh, soccer team up in Charlotte this summer, came to know Jesus and came to know, um, came to know Christ really just through, through teammates, right? And so to me, what brought that up was just saying a, a prayer, right? And he didn't know I was a, a believer and, and we're always going to bless the food, obviously, anytime, whether we're hosting people or not. But it, but it became a conduit to talk about, well, how did you come to know Jesus, right? How did you know, how did you come to like get into scripture? Tell me about, and it was, is and it, it's interesting because then I can connect them with, with Matt Wise on campus, right? And really my walk with, with Christ, really kind of rededicated my life to Christ as a, as a freshman in college through FCA. Uh, Kevin Hines, which is like God often has a funny sense of humor, right? And his plan is best. But um, my chaplain at UGA was Kevin Hines, which was Coach Rick's brother-in-law. And Kevin Hines now, his son, is a member of our football team, wow. Elijah Hines. And so I get to see Chappie, as we call him. We get to see Chappie uh, several times throughout the year. And uh, just what a blessing. Like, it just kind of comes full circle. And so those student ministries are so impactful, especially at this age in life, 18 and 22, where – you're, you're really a sponge. Um, and, and, and ultimately I think that they have a tremendous impact on the kingdom and really being on that campus, I, I don't look at all the pitfalls of, of things you can say and things you can do. I, we try to live boldly and for the same vantage point, we're not, um, you know, I'm not shoving it down people's throats per se. We're just talking if, if an opportunity presents itself, um, Hey, where'd you grow up? Or, Hey, tell me, did you, did you, did you ever go to church growing up? There's opportunities just to have normal conversations. And then, through that, if people are comfortable, you can you can hopefully have a chance to minister to them. So, really good. And just hearing you talk about the word, just living boldly, um, just in today's culture, I feel like a lot of Christianity is getting pushed out. And just within, you know, the Bible promises that we will be persecuted. And um, just curious, as in some of your stops previously, or over there, George Southern, has it been difficult at all to live boldly and and share your faith? Or is there any kickback oh. on, hey, you, you can't say that? Well, I think we all have challenges, right? I mean, the devil's always present. And so it's it's tough because I think living boldly in today's society gets tougher and tougher, right? And that's just not um, that's just not on college campus. That's just in 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 life in general, right? Yeah. I mean, whether it be the grocery store, whether it be any 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 of the local schools your kids are in, whatever the situation is. Um, and so I think I think it's it's human, it's human wiring, it's human behavior to think about, you know. Before I say something, what do I say per se? Just it didn't have to be faith based. It could be anything, right? Um, social norms and whatnot. But I, but I do think there's obviously um, there's parts, you know, honestly of the of the country. It's probably easier to live boldly than others. Sure. Um, you know, I love when I'm in the the South. I've grown up in the South. And all the schools I've been have been in the South. And um, I also would say it too. You know, um, when, whenever we've transitioned, and I'll get a little bit to my journey and relationship with Jesus and, and whatnot, but 
um, when we've transitioned, finding a local church has always been pretty easy, right? Because to me, we make those moves. Um, it's not always about the job. It's not always about the salary or the title. It's not, nothing of those uh, aisles that you talk about in the scripture. Really, it's ultimately where can we, you know, be in a Bible-based church and where we find ourselves. And so the reason I share that with you is that it's all community-based, right? I've always said, Chad, that the people make the town. And, um, you know, listen, often God's will send you to secular places too, right, to, to spread the gospel. We've been very fortunate, very blessed to be in communities um, that love Jesus. And, and, um, and so it's been, it's been great to, 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 to live there and to raise the family there and hopefully grow not only together uh, as in Christ as a couple, my wife and I, but also as a family. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. And yeah, I do want to hear just your, your faith story, your faith journey on what was it like growing up. And then you mentioned just freshman year there at UGA, what, what was going on there freshman year to, to cause that? Yeah. So um, I grew up in the Methodist church. It was, um, little town outside of Athens, you know, 10 minutes. And uh, it was one of those churches that was built in the mid 1800s where when you would move around as a kid, it would make a, the, the pews was, would crack and squeak a lot, which usually means you're, you know, you're getting pinched or something to sit still. And, um, but no, I mean, I, for me, growing up in a small rural church, um, it's been really interesting and fascinating, quite honestly, to see how the church has evolved with youth groups. And like, I didn't know later in life, like I didn't know what my small groups were, right? Um, we had Sunday school, right? But that was the extent of kind of what I knew just growing up. And, and so, but anyway, I, I fast forward and, and I, and I get to, to high school and, um, like I remember being asked for a quote in the, in the senior yearbook and, um, it, and it didn't even dawn on me to quote, like, you know, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I can quote the scripture, the Old Testament, New Testament, but it never, never dawned on me. It wasn't a, it wasn't a Bible based you know, belief or a quote that I was living by. And um, I strayed away from Christ, just my walk with him. And so when I got to, um, and honestly, I wasn't involved with FCA in high school. We didn't really know much about FCA. So I was a, a student in Athens and I was working with a lot of our athletic teams. I was in communications and a lot of my friends were different teams. And I remember my freshman year being invited even though I wasn't an athlete, I worked with the athletes and as a student assistant in the athletic department, was invited to an FCA uh, Monday night fellowship. And I'm going to tell you something, Chad, like I had never, ever heard like contemporary Christian music. And um, I just remember thinking like, what is this? What is this music? I grew up with like the old hymnals, turn to page, you know, 55, the old hymnals and going down like, and so this contemporary worship music was, was awesome. I loved it. And that's the first time I ever recall like just wanting to sing from the from the rooftops, right? Just my love for for Jesus and love for Christ. And um, but it's interesting because through that FCA, I got back in the scripture, right? And and really tried to start walking together in Christ and living a, a you know a, a, a Christ, you know, Christian driven life. And um it was interesting because uh, some of my friends from both high school and others that I had surrounded myself with in those first couple of years. A lot of them were going to church. A lot of them were, I don't say non-believers, but just were practicing Christians with, you know, God, what is in a big part of their lives? And I think that the FCA piece was huge because I was around like-minded people. And I remember like Chad for a long time, I didn't get married till I was, um, I guess I was 20, 29, met my wife at 27, got married at 29. And like, I would tell you like years on end, I would go to church by myself. Right. And I would go to church at uh, the Methodist Church downtown, First United uh, Methodist. And 
um, I just remember, like, I just felt this calling, like, it was, it's, it's hard to explain, but, like, I was in the scripture every night, um, trying to grow in my faith, and uh, it became the central focus of my life, and um, I'm just so thankful for that ministry, because it really got me back centered, you know, on, on a, um, you know, Christian-driven life, because for a while there, I wasn't. Going back to, going back to uh, new newfound faith there at UGA and, and in your early 20s, were there any mentors or, or disciples that really took an interest in you and poured into you uh, back in that season? Well, I think back, and they probably underestimate their impact, but, you know, Kevin Hines just being uh, the chaplain. Um, and even, like, I would tell you, so, like, that was the big one in college, and there was a, obviously the pastor of the First United Methodist. But I would tell you more so, we had, I mean, we had some some student athletes that, you know, led you know, led the ministry. Um, I'm trying to think Adam, who was a punter at the time. I think he's in, he's in, I think he might be with Andy Stanley's group right now, but I mean, he was awesome leading like the, the war. I was like, man, what's this worship? And he's like, how do I find more about it? It's like, I've never heard this before. Right. And, and so there was a lot of folks that, that were involved. There were student athletes that really were, were mentors to me. But then I also think too, like, you know, when I moved to Arkansas, I got married at 29, like our, like our, it's the first time that I came to know like Christ as a couple, like as a half the equation as a husband. And my wife and I really, um, it's through our pastor, Nick Foy, who's at, at Crossroads or uh, Crossroads, excuse me, in Fayetteville, Arkansas. But our small group, we were in a young small group and uh, it was a like newly married small group of like 10 couples. Now, of course, a year or two later, we all had, you know, our first child. It seemed like we're all like kind of right there, the same part of life. But but we leaned on each other, right? It was 10 couples. We didn't know anybody in Arkansas, didn't have any friends. And like that was our that was our network, right? And we, we leaned on each other through uh, Brad and Hope or, or a young couple that led our uh, disciple group, their missionaries. Um, and so like they they before they left to go to Turkey, like they were they were leading our, our small group. And it just was it was a cool thing. I'd never been in a small group that was like that, like that tightly close knit group. And that was really special. What about now, Jared, just for, for people pouring into you or, or maybe you're just in the season of, of doing more outpouring. But I know 80s for Christ is is one one aspect, but just curious what that might look like for you in the season. Yeah, so 80s for Christ. I mean, Lee obviously is a, a, a brother in Christ. And, um, you know, I think, too, uh, you know, our pastor, you know, Dr. Waters um, here at First Baptist is, is someone I really admire and look up to. Um, but a lot of times I do more outpouring right now. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think that's part of every year that goes on that I realize, like, you know, it's it's, it's like, it's, like I always always feel very blessed, like to know what my why is early on in life. Um, yeah, I mean, it's great to obviously love sports and and love you know everything that that entails. With eighteen and twenty two year olds and the competitive nature of the seventeen sports we host, but I, but I also like every year that goes on, I realize like the the impact we have in our roles and 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 is interesting. I've got a you know, daily moments of strength, a devotional for, for men. And, and I think about all the time, like it, sometimes, you know, you'll be in the devotional and it hits you at the core, like whatever you're going through that day, that month, that, that season of life. And there's a, there's always a devotion that I run across, you know, once a year, obviously, I don't know what, I can't remember what the, the month is, but it talks about when it, when ultimately when it's your time to, to leave earth and um, ascend to heaven, it talks about, you know, when you go to funerals, right go to visitations like when have you ever been to one that talks about someone's assets how many houses they had how much money they had 
it's always impact on people. And um, I think it also comes back to not pursuing the the earth like things that are important. And so it's money, it's cars, houses, whatever it is. And it's ultimately impacting people and pointing them to relationship with Christ. And, you know, I look at my role and as, a, as a dad and my, my wife, Sarah, is our number one responsibility is to promote a relationship with Jesus for our kids, right? Um, if I do nothing else and, and I get that I can accomplish that or play a role in accomplishing that, then man, it's, that's, that's awesome, right? Um, but I do think that, that through that, I mean, part of the Great Commission, right, is to continue to, to, to spread the gospel. And I do think that, you know, being at Georgia Southern right now, being at, um, you know, being where I'm currently at the stage of life, man, what a great platform. And, and with that comes a lot of responsibility, Right. And um, and so, I'm, you know, I, I just I can't say enough just about what a, what an awesome opportunity is to be around young people, because um, they're so impressionable. And like we have some like we'll have some freshmen and sophomores that like and they can quote scripture like, like so like so impressive. I was like, man, 18, 19. Like I'm I was I was rededicating my life to Christ. I mean, you're so far ahead of where I was. Not that it's a competition. But I do think it's important to continue to, to to treat them the way that I'd want to treat my my children and provide that outlet for them, hopefully as, as the role model or leader for them. That's really good, man. I love that. Thanks for sharing your heart. And just you talked about your why. You mentioned your 10 and 7-year-old. Just thinking about legacy uh, as we leave the earth one day. I'm just curious if you ever thought on that. Like, what, what exactly is your why? And like, how do you want your, your boys to remember dad? Well, I think that... Um, you know, I, you, you think about like the the audience of one, right? Like I live my life for 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 Christ, right? And um, I think when you're in roles of influence, right, or in roles where you have a chance to impact a lot of people, um, human nature, you know, we we all want to be liked, right? I think that's an inherent inherent uh, feeling that a lot of people have. But I do think that as you continue to mature, both as a professional as an adult, in my case as a man, I'm less concerned about being liked as much as respected. Um, and to me, it's always been about a mutual respect, right? It's also been about um, if someone said, hey, listen, you know what? Um, he's tough, but he's fair, right? Um, I, I think that every day in all of our lives, we lose equity, right? With different people, right? Um, because if you, you're making tough decisions, like one of the things like right now, George Southern, we're a developmental organization, right? And so we are active coaches, like, like to me, when I share that with you, is like we're looking all the time to actively coach people. Um, I think that any organization you're in, if you find stagnant organizations or those maybe that or, or don't have a good rudder, it's because there's not coaching. Like if, if, if we didn't need coaching, then none of us would have jobs, right? But so I kind of come back to this vantage point that, you know, it's, it's, it's about a hope I have a chance to impact a lot of people. You know, I tell student athletes all the time, and I talk to them all, all the teams before they start the year. Uh, and I heard something this summer, and it really it summarized succinctly what I've been sharing over the last several years is we're leading you, right? And again, I'm my audience. I'm talking to 18 to 22-year-olds. Chad, we're leading you to love us at 30, not like us at 20. I think that's so important because you know what? Like, you think about my sons that are 10 and 7, right? Um, they don't want to get up every morning for school, right? Um, there's a lot of things they don't want to do, right? And in my job, they don't always want to go to church, right? But but ultimately, like that's my role. It's like, no, we're we're gonna go to church. This is why, and this is why it's important, right? Um, the same thing goes with our student athletes. I don't, and I also share them, they don't really have a choice. 
Like you think about it, if you, this is a whole illusion of choice. If you want to be the best at your craft and be in a championship, you know, type aspiring team, you don't have a choice. When your alarm clock goes off at six, you don't have a choice to get up. You don't have a choice to attend class. You're going to attend class. Those are the standards come in, right? And so to me, I think part of this is understanding that I'm more concerned, Chad, if I was talking to you and you were our student athletes, I'm more concerned about hearing about, you know, one, you got the dream, the, the, your first job, right? You got your dream job. Um, I, I want to see a wedding announcement. Hear about the birth of a child. Like those are things like milestones that I'm more concerned about. And you know what? I don't like waking up or coaches being mean to me or um, I'm not playing as much as I want to. Well, okay, that's a great opportunity, Chad. If you're a student athlete, you need to have an adult conversation with your coach. All right, that's not a mom and dad deal. And so I think ultimately it's preparing our young people to not only assume more responsibility, but understand that maturation. You think about in high school how much people change from a freshman year as a, you know, in high school to a senior. Well, man, that it's even more, in my opinion, from a freshman in college to a senior in college. And so we have this really critical set of 18 and 22, 18 and 23 year old student athletes. And so I would hope that if you ask them, like, hey, Mr. Benko is always accessible. Um, he's always a straight shooter. He doesn't he doesn't um, tell us things that he doesn't believe. And I think he's you know, he has our best interests at heart. And I hope they think that they know I love him. Like, I, you know, Coach Helton, our football coach, talks about he has three children by birth and 125 adopted sons. I mean, I look at all of our student athletes as my adopted sons and daughters, and, I, and I'm up front with our parents. Like, I'm not here to kiss your child's rear end. Like, I'm not. Like, I'm, I'm going to treat them like they're my children. And so I'm going to be tough, but, but you know, fair with them. I'm going to love them. There was a quote recently I think uh, Coach Saban talked about. It was a Sparky Anderson reference. You got to know when to, to pat them on the back kick them in the rear end and then leave them alone, right? And so I think part of that is, you know, we're going to encourage them, we're going to love them, but we're also, you know, this world's not not easy, right? Um, and we're not going to make sure that they can skate through life and not have the resiliency, right, to come out through adversity. I think that's what college athletics does. It teaches resiliency, it teaches accountability, determination, all the things that it takes to be a model, um, hopefully a model parent, spouse, and an employer one day. Yeah, that's really good, Jared. And, and uh, as I was preparing to to talk with you, I listened to a few other podcasts and I was like, man, this this guy is really smart. He's he's gifted. And, and I'm curious, um, as you look back early in your mid-20s, as you were um, starting out your career, um, what were some of the things that you were doing then that maybe prepared you to become an athletic director later? And even just getting into like just a, a growth plan, too, on how just books you like to read and, and podcasts. Yeah. So listen, one, it's, you know, all glory goes to God. Like I, like it's, I mean, I'm no different than anybody else. I, I think I've always known early on, like, like I, here's what I mean, Chad, like when I was, you know, like 10, 11 years old, my handwriting actually gets worse as I've gotten older, but I used to write, this is before emails, right. But I used to write general managers of baseball teams and ADs. And I'd ask, how do I, how do I get into your area? And like literally, I was 10, 11. Like, I just had always known at an early age kind of what I wanted to do. It was kind of um, probably weird for kids that age. I just had always been wired differently. And so, you know, when I got into college and really I had an internship with the Braves and I didn't like it. And I really felt like God shut a door and said, hey, this is the pathway you need to be on. Man, I was hook, line, sinker, 100% in. And so I would say two things, right? You know, one, being a, um, 
you know, voracious reader, like just reading. I would read stuff that a lot of times Chad was like, I'll give you an example. Like, um, I don't, and it's not good, bad, and different. I don't read any fiction books. Like, I'm always reading books on leadership. Um, it could be autobiographies. It could be, um, like, you know, I remember, I never, like, I was remember early on reading Colin Powell's book, you know, autobiography or Sam Walton's, but also, you know, like thousands of different types of books. And, and I would tell you, I used to take notes. So this before the iPhone. So I would like on a piece of paper, right? Page 45, whatever. And I'd come back and either transcribe it in, in, in a Word document or make a copy. Um, because I knew at the time, at some point, I wanted to build almost like a catalog of things I could revert back to. And honestly, some of those things hit differently. Like now as a 41-year-old, um, it's different than I was 25, 26, right? So reading is important. The other thing I, I tell young people all the time is like you have to be extremely observant. Um, and so what I mean by that is, you know, I, I um, as you make decisions, we make thousands and thousands of decisions a day. And often in a half a millisecond, um, you know, we were calling an instance. So something happens, right? You were calling your brain what happened. Maybe it was a past instance. How was that handled? Did it work? Did it not work? What would you differently? You're doing that like in a half second, right? Or sometimes even quicker. Um, but it's that recall, right? And we're 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 programming our brain to to think quickly and to react quickly. And it's based on past historical uh, inferences and examples and then looking out of the future. So the reason why I share that is like when I was even a, you know, like an intern or a student, I was always watching people in positions of influence and observing their behavior, um, nonverbal skills, um, how they treated people. You know, Claude Felton to me, um, who was, you know, has been a big mentor of my life for seven years. He's a long time head of communications at Georgia. You know, like, you may say, well, gosh, I, you know, I was raised in a household of treat everybody the same and equal, but like he would treat the USA Today writer the same as he would the, the writer from the, the red and black newspaper on campus. And the intricate level of detail, which, you know, early on in life, how I realized that details were important, like things that at the time, whether it be through osmosis or being there, I just started observing, like it absorbing, you know, as far as how I would my daily uh, practices. But I do think that you 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 always if like for example Chad being a former coach, like when I talk to young coaches all the time, like you need to have a conversation with your current coach or other coaches that have a mentor group of, hey Chad, um, hey I saw how you handled this situation today. Um, I'm just curious, like how did you land on that? Why did you handle that way? And then ultimately you have to be authentic to who you, who you are. Like you have to know, like at the end of the day, you always have to be authentic. Um, I'm not trying to be someone I'm, that I'm not, um, but I also think that just because Chad, you and I, you and I may be different in terms of not being authentic, but in terms of how we're wired, how we communicate, how we interact with people, doesn't mean I can't learn stuff. And then sometimes it's affirmation again of what not to do. Um, and so I think you have to look at it. It's, it's kind of like a cast iron skillet, right? They'll tell you the cast iron. The more you cook under, the more seasoning. You get it right. And you got to make sure you take care of the cast iron, always keep that coat of oil. I really feel like for us as practitioners, right? But as people, it's like we're, we're a product of our experiences, right? We're a product of our background. And so, listen, I think a big part of my progression, and uh, I guess professionally, is it's been in the fifth school I've been at, but I wasn't always that way. And so, like, I tell people all the time, like, I was a mama's boy, 
you ever seen the movie like failure to launch i'm not matthew mcconaughey but that was me right i was i was a homebody i was going to be in athens the rest of my life and god i prayed about i prayed for my wife for three years right and and i didn't know who she was but pray and then also prayed for like i knew that i was not growing and i hit a ceiling first time my career really hit a ceiling god opened a door to arkansas man that was a, it was a total leap of faith right i had to you know just walk by faith and and i share all that because through those trials and tribulations getting out of comfort zones right that that allowed me to grow and not only grow as a professional but as a man like as a husband right um and hopefully as a dad so i just i just think at the end of the day for all of us you have to obviously read a lot like just just be a a sponge right always have an appetite for learning two you have to observe people you have to learn take situational awareness have have understand that Everything's about recall in life and application to make decisions, right? And the third is you have to, human condition for any human is to be comfortable. And I've kind of got, I've just wired to where when I start getting comfortable, it's time, well, again, it's God's plan, not my plan, but but I'm ready and I'm I'm even more observant, open to a new, a new calling, right? A new plan. And I think that's something that all of us have to understand. When you're comfortable, you're not growing at the rate that, and I've been consumed with growing because at the end of the day, Chad, it's a continuum. Like if you think about it, like, you know, our time on earth is a mist, right? But if, but if you, if you start working full-time, let's just say at 25 and you're blessed enough to retire at 60, that's 35 years. You would like to think you kind of start peaking midway on. And so you've got a, like a critical 10, 15 years where you're positioning yourself for the back half or back end of your career. And, and I just feel like part of that was I worked really hard um, and was blessed more than anything to be in position to where if that opportunity came about, I could take advantage of it. It's really good. Be a reader, be observant, be willing to get uh, uncomfortable. It's really good advice. And just thinking about a, another coach, last question was, um, I have a lot of questions actually. I want to keep asking, but uh, oh, you can. That's fine. I got all. Yeah, just uh, be respectful of your time for sure. But just think about a young coach, maybe in their in their mid twenties. Um, they're a Christian. They love Jesus. They love their sport. They want to be competitive. Just curious if you had a chance to sit down one on one with them. If there's any any just life advice, any athletic department advice that you would want to just give them. Um, if you had one chance to talk with them. Yeah, so I mean, I think more than anything, just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you have to change who you are to be a coach. I mean, you can you have to go back and be authentic. And you know, we all like to think that that every day, um, you know, we live a a, a, a Christ-centered life. But I man, we sin. I sin every day, and we fall short of His glory. And um, I think it's okay to understand that, like, you know, there's only been one perfect human that walked the earth, and it's not me, and it's not you, right? And so it's okay to 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 make mistakes as long as they're made um, with the good the right intentions, right? Per se, I think sometimes young coaches, a few things. I think one, sometimes they try to emulate or or be someone they think they should be, which goes back to authenticity, right? You have to be who you are, and you think about like God made you who you are. Why would you try to change who you are? Or more so, like I've seen assistant coaches become head coaches and think they have to act different right and I, and I think that you know at the end of the day like when you're a young assistant it's easy to make suggestions right but when the buck stops with you as a head coach or in my case the ad it's different right 
um, because ultimately you, you have the ultimate responsibility of the cause and effect of the decision. Um, I also think sometimes that it's not just assistant coaches, but you know what 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 motivated me and and drove me early in my career is different than now. Okay, I said, what do you mean? Well, hey, early in my career, I was yeah, I was trying to grow and uh, man, just just and I was I was teed up, man, ready just just ready to be an AD at thirty, whatever the situation was, right? But I think that when when you chase earthly bound things such as um, yeah, I'll see salary, right? Uh, from a professional driven, like ego, like you're talking about the idols of the, of the scripture, right? You know, part of it's idol of significance, right? You want to be significant and, and be an AD or be a head coach, right? So your actions, right? So how you think, like which, what's inside you, how it determines how you think and then what comes out of your mouth and how decisions are made, right? And I never forget, um, I was 31 at the time. I was at Arkansas, two years into being there. And I got a call about a job. And it was a CFO job, a group of five school. Um, and it was it was in Florida. And my wife, we at least had the wherewithal to ask her, where would you ever want to move? Where would you not want to move? And she, for whatever reason, just said, hey, listen, Florida's just not high on my list. Well, I knew better, right? And so... I, I ended up the first time passing on it. The salary went up. I'm like, man, I get to be a CF, CFO and make this money. I've hit pay dirt, right? Go down an interview, get off of the job, and kind of give a, a soft verbal. But I said, I need to bring my wife back down. He had a respect for her. So we we flip and turn it. And at the time, I have a, and like an like a 18 week old son, my time. And my mom flies down with us to stay in the hotel with my son. My wife and I are out looking for houses. And I remember we were paying a thousand dollars a month rent at Arkansas, and and you couldn't get close to this campus for eighteen hundred to two thousand. And I had this ingrained image of my wife and newborn in this rundown condo, forty five minutes from campus. And um, I really like that was one of the times in life I felt like God stopped me in my tracks and said, "Hey, what are you doing? My plan, not your plan." And then I had to swallow my pride. I had to turn down the job. I had to go back after I told my bosses that I was probably going to take the job and say, you know what? I'm not taking the job. Ego took a huge hit, um, a huge spoonful of humility. And from that moment on, I said, I'm never going to put my plans before God's plans. I'm never going to put my wife's plans behind mine. Um, and so I, I shared that with you because you know, a lot of times I look I, and I tell this story all the time because I want young coaches and young people to understand that it's not like abnormal to, to want to be successful. It's not abnormal to 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 want to be uh, in a position of influence. Like that's not a bad thing. But I also think, too, it's it's how do you get there and, and not sacrificing who you are and obviously not sacrificing who you are as a believer to get there for a long time. There's some professions where, Hey, the bigger the jerk you are, the more successful. I don't buy that. Right. I also don't buy that. If, if you want to be successful, you have to not be a nice person. No, you can, you can be demanding and you can lead people, but you can also, you're not having to, to be an ugly person. Right. And so I, I think part of that is when you're early on, you're trying to figure out who you are. You're trying to observe people that are in positions you want to be in, maybe have a lifestyle you want to be in have a title, whatever situation, then you want to try to maybe inadvertently mimic with their actions. <clears throat> but in the, the day, 
All you're doing is straying away from your walk with Christ and his plans for you. And, and I look back just in times and I just, man, that was 10 years ago. And I just look like, what was I doing? But I, but I also understand like through God's grace and like, like my bosses and my wife and others, they had grace towards. And so like one of the things that I think is so important is, you know, like mercy is really Christ's role. Like I don't, I'm not given mercy per se, but like I can extend grace. And I think with young coaches, you have to understand, and especially if you're a head coach, like you have to give young people and people are in the career, um, you have to extend grace to them as tough as it is. Now, there are times in all roles where there's people, you know, when you're in a position of, of influence and it's a public facing position, you're going to have people that don't agree with you. They don't, whatever reason, um, they don't like you, whatever, they might not even know you. Um, and so yet that's, you hear always hear like, you have to have thick skin, right? And I do think that part of understanding as a young coach, you're going to be in situations where people, um, maybe to your face, not to your face, don't agree with you. And how do you handle yourself, right? And that comes back to confidence and understanding that I'm not living a life for earthly approval. I'm not. Like, and if I do, it's like the old saying is that ultimately, if you, if you, if you try to make a decision by consensus, you get the lowest common denominator. So, so for me, if I'm trying to make a, a decision, it's all earthly-based decisions, then I'm not going to make a good decision because I'm sitting there trying to appease everyone. That's what that audience of one, just like, I'm trying to, yeah, I'm just trying to make a decision I think that, that, that God would approve. And, and, um, and it's tough because sometimes, like, that's not always, it doesn't always tie in and reconcile here on earth. And, um, and you have to be okay with that. Yeah, that's, that's really good. And just kind of knowing knowing your values and then living out your values. And it seems like a lot of, a lot of young men in their twenties and thirties are, are wrestling with it. I know I, I did as a coach and um, yeah, it's cool to hear that, that story for, that you shared that, that shows the values that you have on, on your faith, your family, and then your, your work and your ministry. But um, yeah, we're, I'm just uh, thankful that you took the time here to to record with us, and uh, we like to end in prayer. Um, just yeah, sure. can, is there anything that we can be be praying with you about? No, I mean, I think I think for us, I mean, listen, you know, we we live in a broken world, right? Since the, the uh, Adam and Eve, and I, I just think that um, you know, I just pray for our young people. Like, there's there's so many things in life that uh, they're tempted at, and and um, you know, I don't, uh, I sleep good at night. People say, well, it keeps you up at night. I sleep good at night. But I also understand, like, we have a lot of impressionable 18 and 22-year-olds. And, you know, I, I love them to death and, you know, want to continue to 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 inspire them and, and encourage them daily. Um, but only encourage them, in their, but also encourage those in their walk with Christ. And, and that ultimately there's no, there's no sin that they can do, right, or have that God won't welcome them back. Right. And I think with young people is, well, I've, you know, I've sinned too much or I've done this. Like there's, and it's like as parents, like I tell my children all the time, there's nothing you will do that will change that I will, that my love for you. Right. And, and ultimately my love is symbiotic of, of God's love for us. There's nothing we can do. And so I think the biggest thing is just pray for our young people that they come to know Christ and ultimately understand that there's no sin they've committed that God won't welcome them back. You know, like the prodigal son. Good man. Yeah, let's let's pray here. Father, we just uh we hit pause. Uh we call time out right here uh, in the middle of our day and we just ask you um 
we, we thank you, God. Thanks for the work that you've done in, in Jared's life, uh, for placing him in this spot at Georgia Southern, God. And we just pray for the students there. Um, help, help Jared and and Matt and others just be able to extend the grace and, and share this message that you've given us, this free gift of salvation. And all we have to do is come to you and receive it. Um, just give him strength here, God, to persevere and help him to continue to live bold. And uh, yeah, we just praise your name and lift it high right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You guys, you heard this from Jared, but coach, just want to remind you, uh, man, just remember the audience of one. Are we living for God? Uh, or are we living for the approval of others? Um, this, uh, this, this boldness, I love Jared's boldness. Um, but yeah, it's not easy, you know, for me getting lost in, in my twenties, um, in my identity as a coach, just trying to climb levels and, and external earthly rewards, um, versus, impacting people and we know that's that's our why is to make disciples of all nations and, and share the good news and, and love people like like jesus did um and so really appreciative that jared took his time out of his busy schedule as as an athletic director to uh to just yeah share his his expertise his wisdom uh the journey that god's taken him on and we appreciate you tuning in uh thanks for being on this journey with us it means a lot if, if you can give us some feedback uh, rate review share word of mouth uh, these things really help just spread this message. And and the message we're trying to share is uh, that that you can be a Christian coach and, and coach at the highest levels. You can be a Christian athletic director and, and be at the highest levels. Um, and, you know, doing doing it the right way is is key. And so we uh, we end every episode uh, the same way, no matter if you're in the car, if you're working out, um, about to return home. And just remember, coach, that the mission field is right where you're at. 